Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. At Passage to Profit, we're all about the creativity, energy, and excitement that comes from starting your own business. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Well, I want to talk about something before we start. My that, that's good. We're on the radio. So. <laughs> so, so, so my nutritionist told me to drink more water, but, oh, man, I mean, how much water can you drink? I'm really getting tired of it. So, And I've tried flavored drinks, but the ones that taste really good just have way too many calories for me. Well, you're in luck. Our guests tonight have a new low-calorie drink that tastes great. It's infused with fruit flavors, and, by the way, it even helps with hangovers. Well, the hangover part <laughs> I like. But, I, you know, as far as the fruit flavors, like, so what? They all taste like that. They all taste the same. So is there anything new? Well, yeah. Gene and Ken, who are with us here tonight, have formulated new low-cal drinks that taste good and satisfy your desire for something new. They use exotic fruit flavors like mangosteen that they mix with peach. I've had peach and mango, but so what? Well, have you ever had mangosteen? What it, is that? <laughs> it tastes nothing like mango, and it's really good, and we'll find out in just a few minutes. Gene Gross and Ken Valenzano are in the studio with us tonight to tell us all about their company, All True. Welcome, Gene and Ken. Thank you very much for having us. So I am very excited about this beverage. It's something new. Nobody's made anything like this before, right? Correct. Yes. We're bringing new fruit flavors from around the globe, taking everyone's taste buds on a journey. Um, we're using fruits like mangosteen, cherimoya, jackfruit, and uh, prickly pear. And we've paired each exotic fruit with a more familiar fruit to everyone to create a truly unique uh, flavor profile. And we're also um, very low in sugar, less than a gram per bottle. We're packed with antioxidants and electrolytes. There's no artificial uh, preservatives, flavors, or uh, sweeteners. The first and only beverage to uh, contain glutathione, which is the master antioxidant. Uh, it's the most vital antioxidant for your health. A lot of well-known doctors do support it, and uh, we have a patent pending on that as well. Wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. So you are selling this in a lot of places now, right? Where yes. are you selling? We're selling in uh, grocery stores, 7-Elevens, convenience stores, gyms in uh, New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania at the moment. And we're also selling nationwide on Amazon. Wow, that's amazing. So that's why you guys are guests, because you've really made progress on this a lot of really great progress. I know a lot of entrepreneurs really would love to get their products in stores. How did you guys come up with the idea of these drinks and what was your inspiration? Did you just, you just decided one day you're going to create a drink, right? <laughs> I think it probably started somewhere with us also being disappointed with the current drinks that were available for us. You know, drinks that are low in sugar, but actually taste good. They didn't really exist a few years ago. Uh, there's starting to be more of a market for that, and we wanted to up the game by making them taste even better than everything's out there and introducing these flavors that nobody else has. And so the idea was, is, as guys who worked out and were trying to, you know, hydrate after workouts, we wanted something that was good for you and tasted good, and it just didn't exist about three years ago. Yeah. And you guys certainly have the backgrounds to develop drinks, right? Yes. Gene, what's your background? I'm a chemist, so we're both scientists turned entrepreneurs. And the science background definitely did help. Um, so we felt very confident that we could improve functionality and taste, that these beverages are not just a healthy alternative. There's something that tastes good. And like I said, as to, we're also raising the bar with functionality as well, with antioxidants like glutathione, as well as other antioxidants, a myriad of them from uh, green tea and also polyphenols. So is glutathione a naturally occurring substance? It is. Where does yeah. it come from? 
it's actually made in all of our cells. It's made in most organisms that live on Earth. And it is, to what Gene said earlier, it is the master antioxidant. So it is what our bodies make to help protect us from, you know, free radicals and other things that are damaging to our cells and our proteins and our DNA. But that can get depleted once it's doing its job. And so our drink is able to introduce more for those people who have active lifestyles and are burning through their glutathione. It does decrease with age. And there are a lot of studies um, proving and supporting um, the importance of uh, consuming glutathione. Um, a, a myriad of different um, diseases, and also, as uh, Richard pointed out earlier, a hangover remedy. So, <laughs> our beverages. All of a sudden, it tastes great too. <laughs> it's a great mixer and helps you with the next day as well. So, so, in order to reduce hangovers, you mix it with your booze when you're when you're drinking drinks, and that's the ideal time. You wouldn't want to overload on it before you party or afterwards. Or the alternative would be you have your drink, then you have an all true, then you have a drink, then you have an all true. Mm -hmm. Or you can use it as a mixer, however you like. All right. That sounds so awesome. So I'm kind of curious about how you developed, actually developed the flavors for this. Because really, low sugar and low calories and taste greats and hangover re remedy, mm -hmm. and that's like the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, only really with four is. things instead of three. <laughs> mm -hmm. The quadfecta. <laughs> the quadfecta. <laughs> So how did you guys develop this? And, and by the way, for our, our listeners, I, I've tried this stuff a bunch of times. And it really is good. I mean, it, it's definitely a home run on the flavor side of things. Yeah, we spent over a year and a half on development. Um, we wanted to make sure it was right. We actually even experimented with fruits beyond what we uh, have in our initial line. So we have a, you know, ideas of expanding. But how did you actually start it? Did you go to a company and say, we need a formulation so, that's like no, this? Yeah. We have a third partner, Sam, who... Uh, who not able to be with us today, but he actually went on out of his way to identify and purchase as many flavor extracts from exotic fruits that he could find online. And he spent evenings in his dining room mixing these things together to find up unique and interesting taste profiles by mixing exotic and common fruit flavors. And, he, you know, early on we were thinking just exotics, but we thought that might be too much of a stretch. Mangosteen, nobody's heard of it. Who's going to buy it? Who's going to take that chance? Mix it with peach. Got some consumer familiarity. And we just thought that would be a home run. We tested that uh, as far as an idea. People thought that was better. And then we stepped out to just try to improve the flavors as much as we could. I recall you guys saying that you did a lot of focus groups, too. That's right. Correct. Yeah, we worked with the Rutgers Food Science Program. Our backgrounds, we had connections there. Uh, we ran three different uh, taste sensory tests there. And um, we uh, beat the big competitors. All four of our SKUs beat all the big competitors. And uh, we did three different rounds to make sure we had it just right. Yeah, it was an iterative so, yeah. process over about 12 yeah. months to do that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, Ken, I think when we were talking earlier, you said that you've been involved with a number of companies, right? So, uh, In the pharma business, I've worked at a number of companies. Um, as an entrepreneur, my family is a, is a long line of entrepreneurs. This is my first foray, actually, into it as doing it myself. But uh, we have a winery in the family. We have a brewery in the family. We have many, many different types of convenience stores and gas stations and even a paintball store. So, so it's a very large entrepreneurial type family. So no wonder you wanted the hangover remedy <laughs> so that you could sell more wine and beer, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it certainly helps. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the names of the wineries? You can say that Yeah, here. the winery Plug is, is Valenzano Winery. They're down in Chemung, New Jersey. Um, really good stuff down there. And they just recently started a brewery called Brotherton Brewery. Okay. Doing very well. Is it a craft brewery? It's or? a craft brewery, yep. Also, yep. so are they using any of your flavors in the beer? They're not. We're, we're talking. We're talking. <laughs> They're going to have yet. to buy them from you, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you get the fruit? Like, if mangosteen grows in another part of the world, 
So we don't actually use the fruits. There, there's a number of companies that actually prepare extracts from these fruits in different ways. For instance, mangosteen, you might be able to find five or six different extracts available, which will have different taste profiles. So we screened through as many of those as we could find, found the ones we preferred, and then using the other fruit, did the same sort of thing, and then started mixing those in different ratios to find the profiles that we liked. Okay, so that would be just like squeezing the fruit and getting the juice out, basically, Roughly. Right? Sounds yep. highly scientific to me. <laughs> <laughs> just depending on how you do the extract, you'll bring different molecules in and a different flavor profile. So this show is sponsored by Gearheart Law. That's Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, and we're an intellectual property firm. So tell us a little bit about your intellectual property around your products. Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, glutathione, we have a patent pending on that. When you're dealing with natural products, uh, they don't have as long of a shelf life. And glutathione not only is good for us as you consume it, but it actually extends the shelf life of the product as well. So um, that is one of our claims. It was a surprising uh, finding for us yeah, when we formulated right. this. So we ran a lot of tests. We're running more tests right now to gather even more data. That's really great. Yeah. So did you have a discussion about trade secrets versus patenting? We did. And so what tipped the balance in favor of a patent for well, you guys? Well, there was another thing, too, with uh, the glutathione. It doesn't taste real good. It's got a sulfur group in it, so it tastes and smells a bit like rotten eggs. So we found ways to, when we're So wait a minute. Your product doesn't smell like rotten eggs. Correct. Which, okay, you fixed that problem. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't it. smell it when I drank it. <laughs> yeah. That's the other side of the right. coin. And yeah. so because of the surprising finding with the preservation, as well as the fact that we were able to mask this, we thought that we just had a leg up on any competitors and wanted to prevent other people from coming into this space and introducing glutathione in a drink. So we thought, you know, the risk of patenting it is it becomes public. People are going to know it eventually. At the same time, it hopefully it'll provide us protection. So one of the challenges in protecting recipes is that you have to lots of times disclose the ingredients, right, on the label. So mm -hmm. he, sometimes keeping it a, a food recipe as a trade secret is, is, is pretty tough, right? So you would have had to put glutathione uh, on the label. Is that right? It's actually on the label. It is. We it is even on the tell label. the consumer I didn't even how much is in there. Yeah. yeah. So, it, so really, you only want a trade secret when it's really hard to reverse engineer the product, right? Right. So... Mm -hmm. If somebody can just take it and put it through a GC mass spec, or you know, then they you're getting very technical sorry. there. GC <laughs> mass spec. I'm with you. Gas <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, the scientists in the room are. Hey, he I used to work on this. <laughs> Gene and I both have yes. doctorates in analytical chemistry, so <laughs> we have the synergy going on. But no, um, but anyway, so they could put it through instrumentation and they could figure out. Ex what it is and what ratios and so really a patent probably was better for you guys that's what we think and our patent basically covers a lot of ranges as, as well you know right. how these patents are done so we're hoping that with these ranges that we've picked for the different components that we'll have some protection down the road sounds like a good strategy well we're coming to the end of our segment we'll be right back with more passage to profit after this there's never been a better time to start your own business the opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm at Gearheart law we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common they start with a solid foundation first Gearheart law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent trademark and copyright protection so if you have a new consumer consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world 
world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We'll continue our discussion with Gene and Ken, and then we'll have uh, two entrepreneurs pitching their businesses. They'll each have two minutes to pitch and eight minutes to answer questions from Gene Ken, Elizabeth, and myself. And don't worry, we've discussed the intellectual property situation with each one of our pitchers before allowing them to pitch. We don't want them to spill the beans too soon and allow someone else to scoop up their idea. As you know, if you've listened to the show before, after the pitches, you can go to the Passage to Profit page at Gearheart Law and vote for your favorite pitch. That's Gearheart Law, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T. The voting lasts for a week, but everyone only gets to vote once, so get everybody you know to vote for you. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can remember the name of our show by imagining walking down a passage with a huge pot of gold at the end. Passage to profit. What about silver? We never. We always talk about gold. We never <laughs> no, talk about no. silver. Platinum. <laughs> Platinum. Okay. And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. And so we're going to continue with our guests and All True, the fantastic low-cal, low-carb, delicious, hangover cure. We were talking, I mean, probably overdoing it on the hangover piece, but we're going to have a little taste test here in the studio. It's going to be Richard versus Elizabeth, <laughs> and we're going to find out who has the better palate. And uh, I've been drinking coffee all day, so I don't know how accurate my palate's going to be. But Ken, why don't you, and Gene, why don't you go ahead and describe the flavors for us? Elizabeth and I each have four cups of the All True in front of us. And we're going to try to figure out just which flavor you're describing. Okay. So we have four skews here. We have two fruity, two citrus. Uh, so our first fruity is peach with mangosteen. Mangosteen has notes of uh, peach, strawberry, lychee. It's a fleshy fruit. Uh, the peach you guys are familiar with. Uh, our other fruity one is a light and tropical flavor. It's um, a mango with cherimoya. Cherimoya from South America has uh, hints of banana and uh, strawberry, and some people even say kind of like vanilla ice cream. Uh, we then have uh, tangerine with prickly pear. Prickly pear has notes of watermelon, so that's a light, refreshing, uh, summery kind of citrus. And then we have the complete the set with the um, coconut and jackfruit. Um, jackfruit, when they're small, they taste similar to pineapple. So this is our fancy take on a pina colada. Instead of pineapple, we have jackfruit in there. All right, I can hardly wait. So What color are you tasting? I'm going to start with the purple. Here goes. That's delicious, but I have no idea what it is. I'm going to say the cherimoya. It's, it's actually the peach and mangosteen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try it one more time. Mangosteen has a purple outer, outer coating. Uh, now you tell now, me. Yeah. <laughs> but you gotta hold even, that. You didn't right. even guess, Richard. So anyway, okay. Second one. Which color? Uh, let's go with the dark yellow. Hmm. I'm going to say tangerine. And I was going to say pear. tangerine. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So you're <laughs> batting 50%. Really there you go. The next one, you decide. Light yellow. Light yellow. Here we go. Oh, that's the pineapple. Yeah, that's a pina colada one. Pina colada. Correct. Coconut All right. jackfruit. All right. That's two for three. Good too. Okay. And last then, one. Last one. Boy, we're having fun here. <laughs> you should be able to deduce this one at this point. I'm going to say this is a cherimoya. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> How did I know that? So it's different. It doesn't taste like cherries. Though. It doesn't taste like. And it's really refreshing, and I, I still you. can't get over the you know, low calorie. How many calories per bottle? It's actually seven and a half calories per bottle. Seven and yeah. a half calories per yeah. bottle, and, and, and zero point seven grams of sugar per bottle. And zero point. And then what about carbs? Um, there's one gram of net carbs per bottle. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. That's really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And there's very little aftertaste. It's just kind of a, a pleasant aftertaste. So Thank you. You guys have uh, really Thank hit a home run here. So which Thank one you. was your favorite? Mine was the tangerine and prickly pear. I like the pina colada. Where can our listeners find these? Yeah, you can find us in grocery stores, convenience stores, gems in Jersey and Pennsylvania. We're in uh, Murphy's Markets in New Jersey, Pennington Market, Marazzo's, and on Amazon yeah. as well. The easiest nationwide. is Amazon. Amazon would be the easiest. So what's your website? It's uh, drinkalltrue.com. Uh, all true is A-L-T-R-U. So Drink All True. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Drink All True. And you have great packaging too. So did you- Thank you. Search for your trademark and register it before you did your packaging? Yes. That's a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because Richard has some horror stories about trademarks. Oh, absolutely. But you, you spent a lot of time working on the packaging too, right? I mean, Correct. That that, you, yeah, over a year and a half, that was um, the liquid itself and also the uh, packaging as well. How'd you go about getting the package designed? What did you do? We started off, we did a lot on our own, running things by family and friends. And then we um, used a um, package design company. To, and it was very collaborative. Um, it wasn't just, uh, they first, uh, we had ideas, they came back with ideas. And it was very much back and forth. And we even put in, um, you know, at least 50% of of the effort into getting to where we are now. Besides, in, in addition to doing uh, our own business venture, we wanted to bring a superior product to consumers, but um, we also wanted to use a vehicle to support our passion, which is uh, pet rescue. So we're all big pet rescue supporters and owners, and Altrue is donating 10% of our net profits to pet rescues, and we're also working with them in other ways to raise awareness for all these precious animals that do need loving homes. Cool. So if so, you can't have an animal for some reason, you can at least help animals by buying Altrue. We fully support this idea of helping poor, helpless yeah, creatures. Yeah, we rescued some pets. Can you guys give us some money? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're coming to the end of our segment. It's really been great talking to you, and I hope you can stick around for a few minutes. And by the way, I've already drunk all of mine. I had like a half a cup. Yeah, I've been sipping away so, here myself. So it's so. all gone, so I'm going to have to refill. <laughs> really good stuff. <laughs> so you're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, The Voice of New York. We'll be back with our pitchers right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now it's time for the pitches. Our first pitcher is Tiffany Verrett, and she has just this amazing thing. When I heard about this, it's so out of the box. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come on the show. So welcome, Tiffany. Tell us all about it. So I am the co-founder of Mates on Mats. It is a children's enrichment company that combines the really, really deep philosophy as well as the practical movements on the mat 
meditation, meditation techniques, breathing techniques, combines that with chess. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's really amazing of a combination. Actually, yoga has been proven in numerous studies to really deepen the mind-body connection. And when you can give children these tools, they can walk away with these tools that they don't know are actually going to benefit them in their adulthood um, as they move through life. We're coming into a really crazy time in the world and they deserve to have these tools and they need them. Um, and then chess, these things seem like they don't go together, but they actually work really, really well together. Chess is really known for improving memory, foresight, concentration, strategic thinking, critical thinking, um, problem solving, memory. I mean, there's like a million things to remember and how to play chess. Even I'm still trying to figure it all out. Um, and so when you bring these two things together, it really helps children develop a really healthy sense of confidence, of inner strength, of resilience, of emotional intelligence, right? Because you can be as, you know, as smart as the textbook that you can memorize back to front. But if you have no emotional intelligence and no way to ground yourself into who you really are, aside from the outer knowledge, then the inner knowledge uh, kind of loses its magic, so to speak. And children deserve a place to develop these skills that they're going to need, um, no matter what it is that they decide to do in life. And so when you bring these two things together, um, it just creates this amazing synergy of um, tools, tools for them to really use in their development. And we take a holistic approach to childhood development and uh, youth empowerment. That really does sound amazing. So how does it work? Do they come into the yoga studio and do yoga and, and then play chess afterwards? Or The yoga comes first, yes. Okay. The yoga comes first and then the chess after. So I've been working in the community with children for about 14 years now. And what I've come away with from all of this is how important a sense of community is. Again, you can have all of the knowledge in the world. You can get great grades and you can uh, really do well in school. But if you don't know how to be a good person to another person, what use is any of that? And so teaching children that they are not of the world, they are in the world and they're here to serve with whatever gifts and talents that they were given naturally from birth. Each and every child has one of those. And I, I strongly argue with anyone who tells me that some kids are just not talents and they just don't have things. And that's not true actually I, i'm fast i used to be in the chess club myself um in high school um do you ever um have anyone come in uh i've seen it sometimes where I, when i was in school they had some high very high level uh chess masters come in and they would play like six of us at the same time just going to assembly <laughs> down line oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was really, funny. <laughs> really makes you feel like you're important right yeah, yeah this exactly. one guy is like playing yeah. 18 15 people at the time exactly right? yeah. and i'm thinking the whole time about my next move out he's just going boom 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 so i'm just curious we haven't had that yet that is in our uh, future plans. However, our my co-founder, Sean Martinez, um, is a master chess player. He's amazing in what he does. And mm -hmm. there's people who can play the game really well and then who's people who can teach the game really well. Mm -hmm. And he's really an amazing teacher um, to teach it to children um, because, as we know, children's attention spans are uh, pretty short. Um, and so creating this environment where it's really engaging and really fun and yet really, really packed with so much knowledge and so much learning is really what we're aiming to do. And so getting to learn from someone who is not only really good at playing the game, but also really good at teaching it is really important. And them mm -hmm. developing a sense of community with each other, how to move together with intention and integrity and attention 
and all these beautiful things wrapped up into one and how do they treat each other on the mat and on the board and what I really want them to come away with is that who you believe is your opponent who you think is your competition who you believe is your enemy is actually just your teacher Mm. that is very profound Mm. teaching them that I think really sets them up for changing the trajectory of the world actually um and i think we can all agree that we'd like to see the world go in a little bit of a different direction than it's been going and um as a youth development professional my heart is with the babies and i just want to teach the kids how to develop the world that we all want to see because it's a little harder to get to adults right adults are set in their ways they don't really want to change a lot but children are these sponges that we can mold um from now and so giving them that and then saying please take this and take what you're good at take what you love and make the world a better place and do that in community with people learn how to work with people learn how to love yourself so you can work with other people and love other people i really do think it's interesting when you think about competition one of the things one of my coaches used to tell me is is when you're playing or competing you you really want to be competing against yourself Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and not necessarily the other person across on the other side of the court right but you want to be trying to achieve your own fullest potential. If they have better skills or if they have weaker skills, that's really not as important as you trying to improve yourself Mm -hmm. and to use your best skills too. And so I think what you're achieving in your class certainly makes a certain amount of sense. So what age groups do you teach? Currently we're teaching ages five to 10. Jean, you mentioned that you were a chess player. Yes. Did you feel like it had an effect on your skill development? I definitely do. Being able to visually um, think ahead and and visualize pieces that aren't physically there Mm -hmm. and thinking many steps ahead, um, it's good brain uh, mental exercises. Um, but again, like you said, as they're sponges, um, goes hand in hand with the, uh, the, the good physical and uh, exercise that com- mental exercise that comes with the yoga too. I, I see it being a, a very interesting um, take and a big home run. But yeah, for myself, uh, definitely, yeah. So mm-hmm. I have a question. Is it hard to get the kids there? So do you maybe bring a kid for chess and then they find out they're doing yoga too? Or <laughs> <laughs> hey, surprise! Or the uh, parents are I'm dragging going them. for chess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, chess tends to, if you look at the big picture, chess tends to look like a boys' game um, because it is so uh, logic based and it's you know it's very uh, competitive. So a lot of the boys that we've gotten, um, they definitely argue against the yoga part. Um, and so the way I kind of sell them is like, this will just make you really good at chess. <laughs> <laughs> this will make you better at chess. You want to be better. And um, again, bringing that in as a, as a life tool. Like, look, this is not only going to make you better at chess, it's going to make you better at life as a person. And of course, at six years old, they have no interest in that. Um, <laughs> so the way I teach yoga is very, very, uh, it's play-based. It's very, deve- like, it's developmental play in that sense. Um, so the way I would teach to a group of adults is very different from the way I teach to a group of five-year-olds. Um, and they just have no clue that they're playing this game that is incredibly good for their mind, body, and spirit. So just to a little s- Trojan horse. Just to switch tracks a little bit here now, I've heard that goat yoga is becoming incredibly <laughs> popular. How do you compare goat yoga and chess yoga? Um, I don't compare because I've never, <laughs> I've never taken goat yoga. It is on my list. Um, wow. I'm definitely down with animals being 
around the, the yoga, yoga room. Exp- I'm totally okay. for it. I think their animals are actually being around animals is actually very healing. It's actually really, really a beautiful experience. And so to, you know, bring in like goats and puppies into your practice, it just Puppy makes yoga, it. I could get, you know, <laughs> <laughs> goats. Uh. Goats yeah. are super cute, especially baby goats. Oh, They're yeah. Really well, if you cute. get baby goats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't yeah, think you get big ones. <laughs> and I would imagine that with kids, that would actually probably be a big success is goat yoga. Um, kids love animals. Animals love kids. Um, and just, again, it, it brings it back to that playful aspect of getting to know yourself better and reconnecting all the parts. Because I think a lot of us walk around with floating head syndrome. We're kind of disconnected from our bodies, from ourselves, from the heart, from the spirit. And um, teaching children that actually there's all these moving parts to you that work as a whole. Again, it's that holistic approach. And a big piece of the yoga philosophy is ahimsa, nonviolence towards other living beings. And having reverence and respect and honoring other living beings. And so I think bringing animals into kid yoga would be an actual really awesome idea. So how would you structure a class then? Do they both do chess and yoga or do you do the chess first? Do you play 20 minutes of chess and then 20 minutes of yoga? How does it all work? Mm -hmm. So we do about 45 minutes worth of yoga. We end with some meditation and then they'll get into chess. Actually, the way that they play chess is on a yoga mat. So it, again, reinforces the idea that all of this is one. All of this is part of a whole. My co-founder, Sean Martinez, he, uh, again, creates really cool games and puzzles for them to how to learn actually how to play chess, learning the foundation of the game, teaching the board geography. And then we kind of end with some meditation to kind of round it all out, smooth it out, you know, polish that stone. You know, I was thinking, you know, this whole synergetic you know, system we have here, it's very interesting. I was just curious if, um, if you guys have ever experimented doing the chess without the yoga and comparing the um, results. Do you, uh, That's it, the it, scientist coming yeah, out. Yeah, I, was, that, I had exactly. the same question. Yeah. I was yeah. like, are they like real relaxed when they're doing yeah. the chess or does the anxiety I, level go up? I or? like really have these studies done and I'm curious. <laughs> so, I would expect them to be much better after the yoga than... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so funny enough, that's actually how Mates on Mats was born. Me and Sean were both teaching at uh, Columbia University's elementary school, the school at Columbia over on Broadway um, in West Side Manhattan. And I was assigned as his teaching assistant. He was a chess club instructor. And he was just like, oh, like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I teach uh, children's yoga. And he was like, oh, do you want to do some with the kids before we do some chess? That would be cool. It was very, um, you know, like sporadic in that way. And I did maybe 20 minutes worth of movement with them. And the way they played chess after was dramatically different from the way we were used to seeing them play. And the first thing he said was, oh, my gosh, this stuff works. It's not just like theory and like this trendy thing, but this stuff works. And they played chess with such they were so much more peaceful, so much more calm. They were nicer to each other. They were kinder to each other. You know, it wasn't just pure chaos in the room, especially in after school. After school, it's a really difficult thing for enrichment professionals like me to kind of tackle because they've already been told what to do for eight hours in the day. And so we kind of uh, threw that in and it changed the way they played chess. And that's when the light bulb went off and we were like, oh, this is a thing. I can kind of see this (laughs) starting a new trend where all the grandmasters before every match are doing (laughs) yoga (laughs) positions. That Uh, is a uh, thing. You know, so maybe we're starting a new trend here. A lot of the grandmasters are actually yoga practitioners. They They personally have 
yoga coaches that come to them with two mm. competitions and they're doing yoga postures and meditation before games and they go into games and like rip the whole tournament it's mm. like insane there's a whole article on like a chess master that did this i can't recall his name but wow. he was losing the tournament really badly he called his yoga instructor in from like across the city and was like i need you to come save me wow <laughs> he did wow. some yoga and some some meditation and he went in and and just like killed everyone in the tournament do you have one studio are you planning to expand this out with get more people yep so we are currently um launching our program at Stytown uh in peter cooper village over in the lower east side and the plan is to expand from there um to replicate this in every single neighborhood of the city as much as possible and then nationwide and globally <laughs> wow yeah wherever chess and yoga take place so it's called mates m-a-t-e-s on mats mm -hmm. o-n-m-a-t-s yep and you have a website mates on mats.com yes so are you looking for more people to help you do this are you looking for investment money are you looking for space all the things <laughs> all of, all of the, the things above. right now and it's if you literally have a used, just me and my partner and uh <laughs> if you have a used chess set you want to donate they'll yeah. take that too yoga mats chess sets <laughs> um we are looking to sponsor uh children in you know low-income marginalized communities because i come from one of those and so i know what it is to have to tell for my mom to tell me like we can't afford certain programs so you have to stick to the free one um, and so we are looking to sponsor some children who are interested. Tiffany Verrett, this has been great. You're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Along with Gene and Ken, our guests this evening. And for our second and final pitch, we're going to be featuring Tom Sherman. As you know, at Passage to Profit, we're always looking to change the world. And our special guest this evening, Tom, is going to be doing that. So you have two minutes, Tom. Go. All right. So how long is a foot? 12 inches, right? How, how heavy is a pound? 16 ounces. How cold is ice? 32 degrees. How long is a month? You know, that depends. You know, you might want to start whispering a rhyme under your breath or counting your knuckles, however you determine month lengths. <laughs> Could be anything from 28 to 31 days. According to internal surveys, about two-thirds of people estimate a month to be 30 days long when a full 75% of the year is made of months that are either 31 or 28 days. So basically what I'm saying is the annual calendar system is afforded inaccuracies and inconsistencies that other measurement systems just aren't allowed to have. There's not standard units. Uh, units don't compound and coordinate with each other. That leads to fractional units. A week is actually 52.127 weeks in a year rather than 52 like we normally think. 
all this compounds into things where like a new month starting midweek is basically like if we started a new day mid-hour. So over the past decade, we've had a team of uh, scientists and engineers and a couple college dropouts take a look at this uh, in a no-nonsense approach to tackling time. We had one goal to divide time as evenly as possible in order to create a coherent measurement system that can be used at any given point in time since time is a measurement and it should be treated as such. So we developed a system based around the fact that the 365-day year can only be broken into base units of 5 and 73. And uh, we created a standardized compounding units that occur with consistency, regularity from week to week, month to month, season to season, year to year, in perpetuity. It's a timekeeping system where all units are designed to work in conjunction with each other so users can establish resonance in order to amplify the magnitude of their actions. So basically, you've come up with a new calendar. That's correct, yes. All right, so how many days does the calendar have? It still has 365. And oh, then, I guess yeah. that was kind of a dumb question. <laughs> so how many months does the calendar have? So there's five seasons in the year, and uh, there's five 73-day periods. And um, I brought a, a wall calendar version for you guys to look at here in studio. If uh, you folks want to follow along at home, you can check out our website, www.thenewcalendar.com. And uh, we've got some uh, samples up there for you to follow along with. Basically, in the five seasons, when you line them up to start on the uh, winter solstice, that starts on December 21st, ends on March 3rd. Spring starts on March 4th, ends on uh, May 15th. Summer begins on May 16th and ends on July 27th. Uh, autumn is the newly discovered fifth season of the year, and that starts on July 28th and ends on October 9th. And then uh, fall begins on, or that ends on October 8th, and then fall begins on October 9th and lasts until uh, December 20th. So in that, we've divided the season into two, uh, each season into two months, and then one day right in the middle called midseason. So to answer your question short, uh, there's 10 months in the year now. Wow. So I'm looking at the calendar that you gave us, and what I saw first was it covers years 2019 to 9999. And I was like, wow, how is that? And then I thought, well, because they've split it up so evenly that every, like the second is going to fall on the same day every single year, like the second of December, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's correct. So right now the um, going to put all those calendar makers out of business. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big calendar is not going to be pleased. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically the problem with the current calendar system, or one of them, is since weeks and years uh, don't coordinate well, and there's that one extra day each year. What happens is the next year, so if today is a Sunday, next year to today is going to be a Monday. Or if it's a leap year, it'll be a Tuesday. And then it'll go on, so on and so forth, where days and dates of the year only realign on a six-year, 11-year, 11-year cycle. We've taken that, thrown it out the window, and now you just have to deal with this one calendar. If your birthday is on the fifth day of the week, it's always going to be on the fifth day of the week, no matter what. It's just is what it is. So do I get more vacation with this calendar? That's <laughs> right. what I want to know. You know, in the one you're holding, there's nine-day weeks. I do like to tell people that the two extra days are weekend days. It's a crowd pleaser. 
But in all reality, you should go to work when your boss tells you to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the. <laughs> that's, that's not stop for us. I guess that's pretty much. That makes yeah. a certain. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah. you know, I know it, it makes some people a little bit uh, bitter, but you know, I think the real compromise is uh, you start with the ask for the two extra days being weekend days. And then uh, your boss says, oh, no, you should have only two weekend days. And the compromise is uh, you keep three weekend days and then have six work days in a week. And, you know, it's still a better uh, percentage for you, the worker, as far as time off. So I can see this being very valuable in data analysis. So, for instance, I look at Google Analytics to see how many people have come to our website every day. And I compare periods against periods. And it's a day off, like you said, one period to the other. So I have to manipulate the data to get it to where I'm actually looking at comparable things. Mm -hmm. This would be awesome for that. Right. Yeah, uh, completely. I mean, applications are any way that you use a calendar right now, since this is a better calendar system, it's like basically a better ruler that has standardized length. You can use it in any way. So I think data comparison and analysis, uh, logistics, stuff like that, where you need to know time on a consistent perpetual basis that's where you're going to find the most value of applying the system tom you said that a team of scientists created this calendar yes so how big was the team <laughs> so it started small and it's it's just kept on gathering uh gathering steam as it rolls along so uh i i started this by myself a long time ago and then uh, some big breakthroughs occurred in early 2017 in the form of a missed bill payment. And I was like, you know what? I've had it with this Gregorian calendar. I need to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, it was madness. And so um, <laughs> so I, I did a little work in, in the Eureka moment occurred. And that's when I started taking it to uh, just basically people in my network that have backgrounds in across scientific fields. Um, luckily, my my girlfriend's dad is a retired physics professor, so that was nice because uh, I gave him a copy of the prototype, and then the next time I saw him, he didn't even let me put my bags down. He was just talking about frequencies and atoms. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so does this change the value for a light year? No, th no, this is, a, <laughs> this is not uh, going to change the value of the speed of light and um, how, how that's all calculated. It's uh, it's really just a reorganization of because right now from a second up to a day, it all compounds. You know, you got 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day. So the minutes and the seconds and the hours. It's though. all it's all the same. Yeah. And then beyond a year, that's all the same, too. You know, a year is still a year and you still celebrate leap years on the same cycle, you know, decades, 10 years. But it's just that in between because there's no good way to attack the internal a year from a day and a year. It's a completely sort of novel concept, and I'm not quite sure it's going to be received as maybe we would like it to be. So what is your plan for rollout, and you know, what are your thoughts about where this will be initially taken up, and, and how do you plan to, to make it more broadly taken up? It's a 200-year plan that we're working on right now. <laughs> <laughs> According to this calendar. Right, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, because, I mean, it took Pope Gregory about 150 years to get his calendar adopted. <laughs> and he had the full weight and faith of the Catholic Church. So, and you're I mean, just a scientist. I've got passage to profit. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm hoping this will cut it down by a few years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, right now we're looking for the direct applications that really showcase its value, that get it into the mainstream. 
And I, I think how that's going to go is basically from businesses picking up the applications that apply to them. And people are better at understanding how they use the calendar and how this system will better their lives than I am. That's kind of what we're hoping for is is some adoption on the internal side throughout some businesses to help their operation processes. And then, you know, after a few uh, catch on, you know, maybe they'll just adopt that whole calendar system in general, and then it slowly works its way into uh, uh, the real world. Another way that I think it's going to have a great potential impact is just in marketing distributables, because right now about 50% of wall calendars are uh, marketing from, you know, an organization or a business that's, they're like, hey, here, here's a free calendar and people hang it up in their cubicles at home. So right now they're getting a lot of loss because right now, disregarding that this is a differentiation and a unique way to sell their business, if they use one of these new calendars, that's an evergreen supply. They can hang on to a box of these for as long as they want, pass them out at any time of the year, whenever they want. Yeah, or you can, uh, oh, so I was going to say, up for mass appeal, you go with the cute puppies or the kittens. (laughs) All these different fun themes you see at the end of every year in the mall. Right, exactly. So I had a thought, though. Honestly, companies do do a little bit of playing with time because there's the year and then there's the fiscal year and there's the fiscal quarter. And that doesn't have to be the same for two different companies. It's what they want it to be. So I wonder if you could approach it from, look, at this is going to make your fiscal reporting so much cleaner. Yeah. And uh, there have been a couple accountants that, that I've been working with, and they rave about it because apparently they run into this all the time where out of the four quarters of the year, one's 90 days, one's 91 days, two are 92 days. And so they're constantly freaking out about getting it exactly precise. And this is a precise measurement system that works every single time. There's also a business, uh, the retail calendar is what it's called, and a lot of retailers use it. They just focus on weeks, and they have, I believe, 13 four-week months in a year, and then they just disregard the extra day that's on at the end of the year. But then every five or six years, they add in an entire week onto one quarter, making it a 14-week quarter, which throws off the whole consistency and reliability that you're exactly striving for. How do you compare that data? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a calendar like this certainly makes a lot of sense. And I'm just looking here at the calendar, and I notice now on December 23rd is Festivus, right? So it'll be great comfort to us Festivus fans of knowing that Festivus is on the 3rd. It's still on the 23rd of December, but it's on the third day of early winter. Okay. Which is called Earth. You have like names for all of these. So the nine days of the week, we're naming them after the planets. So we're bringing back Pluto, which is, you know, great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's officially a planet again. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. According to this calendar. According to the calendar. (laughs) You're doing a lot here, by the way. I know. I wanted to move leap day, but I thought, you know, that's it's too much. It's too crazy. So if people, somebody was born on leap year, what happens? They I, still get a birthday? They still get a birthday. Uh, we're still going to put February 29th leap day where society currently observes it, which is inoptimal within this calendar system. I personally like to celebrate leap day after the midsummer, which is the second longest day of the year, because that's one of the cool things when you line the system up to the Earth's orbital rotation and started on the winter solstice, the exact middle day of the middle period is the summer solstice because time kind of makes sense if we allow it to and, and view it under a, 
objective structure. So, yeah, if you go and you look at the calendar, it's really great because it has the new calendar, but it also has the days of the old calendar for reference, right? So you can kind of compare the two. Not only that, they'll always stay the same, which is why, you know, you can use this calendar in perpetuity. But again, this is just one application. As you guys know, there's a difference between the product and the patent. And so this is just uh, one way to use it. You can take this ruler, basically, and measure out data. You can measure out time consistently in any way you want. You know, if you have a baby, you can actually say, oh, he's a month old. And it's not like, well, does that mean he's 28 days old? Is he 31 <laughs> days old? What's, I what's know. I, sometimes on? that runs through my mind when I'm asking about a baby's age. He never sure. remembers how old he is. <laughs> So, Tom, you told us that you had a patent before the show, right? And yes. You, you wrote one yourself. Yes. Right. And correct. so, and it, you filed it, and you're waiting for a response from the patent office. That's right? correct, yeah. So, how does having a patent mix with trying to get the calendar out there? I kind of had a hard time writing it because there wasn't a lot of prior art. There was actually, I, I had to. There was like only one calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We so had one, one piece of prior art. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of took that approach because I thought that in order for this system to actually be a scientific system that's engineered objectively, you got to do it like you're writing a patent or making a new piece of technology. You know, right now with a lot of the reforms that have been proposed and made, they're still based on the calendar being this mythical sort of thing that we don't really know what it is, but we do know what it is. It's a measurement system. And... Every other measurement system has pretty standardized rules of compounding units, units that align with each other, all these sorts of things, and um, it just was never given to the calendar. So that's why I took that route, and I figured it's uh, better than nothing as far as, you know, why not? And it, I've always wanted to put on my resume invented time. So <laughs> well, maybe you could get Europe to use it because they use standard units for scientific measurements. Yeah, as you're right. like a, this is the right. metric calendar, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a little bit, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the French actually, when they proposed the metric system, they proposed a metric calendar as well. But it was a 10, 36-day month. And then they just, you know, added five days on at the end of the year, which threw off the whole nature of it, of, of it being a metric, consistent, <laughs> standardized thing. And uh, just one more point real quick is uh, the metric system and the standard system, as much as there's beef between the two and all that, at least a foot is always 12 inches. It's not like sometimes it's 13, sometimes it's 11, sometimes it's 10. It's always 12. And so there is logic within the standard system to some degree. Well, thank you for solving that very frustrating problem for all of us. We're very grateful. And uh, where can we find your calendar? You can check it out at uh, www.thenewcalendar.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page called The New Calendar. And uh, you'll be hearing more from us on uh, great shows like Passage to Profit in the future. Well, thank you very much for being here. We'll be right back with more right after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or 
company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. I feel like I am way outside the box tonight. (laughs) I I think this has got to be like one of the most intellectual programs that we've ever done. It really is. I'm so innovative and just... Things I would never have thought of. Yeah, chess and yoga, calendar. Where else are you going to hear about this stuff? Well, and then the drinks, too, with this great hangover cure and the <laughs> different flavors that blended together. That part really together. stuck with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it going like fire on college campuses. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, so it was a great show. So remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at the GearheartLaw.com website. That's G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W. And vote for your favorite project. So to summarize, we had Tiffany Furette with Mates on Mats, and we had Tom Sherman with NewCalendar.com. Now, Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 7 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt, and the best overall vote-getter for the show will receive an Amazon gift card valued at $25. So who's going to get the card? Is it Tom? <laughs> Is it Tiffany? But that's a tough decision. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Yep. I would like to say thanks to everyone who participated today. And this is just amazing hearing this brand new stuff every week that hardly anybody knows about. And I never vote because I'm always impressed. And tonight just really did blow me away. That's what I love about doing this. Well, that's great, Elizabeth. And I agree the pitches were wonderful. And I want to say thanks again to our guests, Eugene and Ken. Do you guys have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for our audience? Well, I just want to thank the two of you for inviting us on. I think this has been a great opportunity for All True to get the word out about our new product and the launch. And uh, I just want to say that, you know, I, I hope the rest of the world is aligned with what we're trying to do here to help people and, and help pets and bring a new product on that can do benefit for, for both of those populations on our planet. Yeah, feel good, do good. That's all true. And again, we're at drinkalltrue.com and uh, on Instagram and Facebook at drinkalltrue. And really, you can be one of the first people in your sphere of friends to discover this drink. And then they'll all love you, Absolutely. And what you should do is you should get the drink. You should go to a yoga chess class. And you should (laughs) mark the days when you're going to go on your new calendar. (laughs) Exactly. So, okay, so I guess we really are coming to the end now. (laughs) We we, went off the deep end a long time ago. So we would like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, Rob Barretts, our engineer, Kenya Gibson, our media maven, and the whole iHeart team. So don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitchers. And listeners, you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit, WOR710, the voice of New York. Mm-hmm.